Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Champions of Security. I'm your host, Jacob Garrison, and today we have two guests discussing how to build an OWASP chapter. The first guest is Jeremiah Solomon, who's currently the Information Security Director at one of the nation's premier law firms. In his role leading the InfoSec program, Jeremiah applies over a decade of experience in security operations, security architecture, engineering, governance, risk, and compliance to lead a top-tier team. Jeremiah has worked in small business and in large enterprise environments containing regulated data. Regardless of the size or complexities of the organization, Jeremiah has been a leader helping to influence a positive security culture and a growth of the security team. Our second guest is Tony Quadros. Tony is a 10-year veteran of the cybersecurity vendor landscape with a focus on application security. He's helped enterprises, including the world's largest social media companies and largest insurance companies, ensure the software we use every day is secure. More recently, Tony has helped lead and revive OWASP Maine, an OWASP chapter focused on rallying the software development and security community in northern New England by providing great educational talks, networking events, and a safe outlet for sharing job opportunities with northern New Englanders looking to advance their careers. Tony and Jeremiah, thanks so much for coming on today. And, and just to start, can we... Can we get some stats? When you guys took over OWASP Maine or started OWASP Maine, what was it like before you started running it? And what is it like today? Well, so just to clarify, I help run OWASP Maine. Jeremiah runs OWASP Oh, so okay, we, okay. We're like, you know, sister chapters, I guess. Got it. Put it. Um, but so that sounds geared towards me. Um, so what happened was... <laughs> OWASP Maine was active before COVID, right? So 2017, 18, 19, and, and then 2020. And, um, but when COVID hit, they, they kind of stopped meeting, right? And, and the chapter really went dormant. Um, and then I was candidly trying to sell uh, some security products to a gentleman who runs the AppSec program at a, at a, a large uh, company up in, in Maine. And I saw he was the former chapter president. And I reached out to him and wanted to just meet with him about the chapter, see if I could help him revive it. And then kind of leaving a lunch with him, he was like, hey, do you want to just run it with? Consider that, but you know, that sounds great. Like I'll do whatever I can. And so um, they used to have like maybe four or five people come to meetups. And then now we've really tried to build it up over the last six to seven months where we're getting 20 to 30 people come to meetups, but more importantly, have like a bigger presence um, online on LinkedIn and in, in the meetup application, which we use. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun uh, and, and quickly growing. Perfect. Yeah. It sounds very successful. A huge amount of growth. And and Jeremiah, sorry, I didn't realize uh, you guys are in different chapters. Can you run me through the OWASP Boston story? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the OWASP Boston chapter's been around for two, two decades, probably. Um, so Jim Wheeler was the, the primary runner of the OWASP Boston chapter prior to COVID. He kept the chapter running strong, um, always had a kind of mix of volunteers and other individuals that help out to run the chapter within the, uh, within the area. Um, a number of them still help out today, so um, we've got some great support from the, the rest of the group that helps to run the chapter there. Um, once COVID hit, everything died off. Um, I kind of stepped up and said, hey, I want to keep this thing going. Um, we really want to get this out for the community. It's been a you know huge benefit up to this point. Um, 
and we just kind of natively tried to get it going. We had some some actual struggles at first. We we tried to get it rejuvenated online. People started to get you know a little bit of a, a Zoom fatigue going on. It wasn't a great experience. We didn't get great turnout. Uh, we tried in person. We didn't get a lot of in person turnout at first. And uh, probably what uh, right January of 2022 is when we first went back to attempting in person. Um, we took a couple more months off. We did an online one, a couple hybrid events. Um, we went back in September, tried it again, a little bit slow. And then this last January in 2023 here, we've, uh, we've just been ramping up ever since and, and going strong. We've had a meetup every single month up until, uh, June. We're going to take July and August off and the numbers just keep growing. Less people online, more people in person, uh, including our, our great friend here, Tony, coming to the events and, uh, and helping keep things interesting. Perfect. Yeah, it sounds like you needed to have a lot of uh, a lot of you know diligence and repetition, and and just stay committed to keeping it occurring over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the that's the key, right? You just get you get to gauge the community, and uh, you know, figure out when people are ready to start coming out and uh, start to start to bond over application security again. I think it's a great uh, a great opportunity just for some culture building, and I think relevance of talks too is an key one too, right? We try to keep our content relevant. Um, to try to bring in good audiences of individuals and that helps to, you know, uh, bring them together. And then they usually return for the camaraderie more so than even the talks themselves. I found it like astonishing how hard it is to get someone to leave their house. <laughs> yes. Like I honestly, I, like I've tried so many different things, so many different tops. We even did a um, secure coding, like hands-on workshop where it was um, that um, a, a company called Secure Code Warrior helped us with, which was great. And I even put up $500 cash to whoever would win that tournament. And we, I thought we'd get 100 people out, you mm -hmm. know, developers, security people. We got like 20. You know, it's just, it's astonishing to me how hard it is to get people to want to come out um, and, and leave their house. But yeah, being creative and in the consistency, like you were saying, Jeremiah and Keith and, and you saying Jacob is I think what helps most. What we do with OWASP Maine is we don't do monthly meetups. We feel like it can get a little too repetitive. Like it's easy to skip it, you know, a month as an attendee. We try to space them out to once a quarter. So every, or maybe every two to three months. And then we try to really promote that event and drive that uh, attendance to that event. So less events, but hopefully more attendance is kind of the strategy that we have. Um, and it's been going pretty good. Um, one thing that we're thinking about doing, it's not set in stone yet, is taking the rest of the summer off and then doing an event at University of Maine. So including um, on campus during the school year and having students get to attend um, who have an interest in cybersecurity as well. So that's one thing we've been in touch with with some of the professors at University of Maine. Um, and the way we see it is we want our chapter to be as much a developer-focused chapter as it is a security-focused chapter. And so a lot of the things that we do, talks, topics, um, everything we do, we try to gear towards including developers or, or gear it towards developers. Because the way we see it is that's kind of the biggest problem in AppSec today is development and security kind of co-mingling, co right, and learning from each other. So yeah, I when agree. you talk... Yeah, when you're talking to the professors at University of Maine, are these computer science professors primarily, you know, people that are whose students will be developers and you're trying to get in early and get them interested? 
Yeah, for sure. And one of the the gentlemen we met with is an associate dean for I think they started the cybersecurity curriculum just just last year. So he had a huge interest in it. One of the courses that they have is on SAP security, and and we're planning on having um, an expert come in to talk about SAP security specifically on like uh, ABAP code and things like that. So. You know, he he had a big interest in having us align that topic to the meetup at the college because it goes with his curriculum. Um, but yeah, mostly computer science majors. You know, we've reached out to multiple universities. Um, luckily, one of the chapter co-leads, myself and two other gentlemen or three other gentlemen that run it, um, he had connections with the professors, his previous professor. So um, it was really easy to set up a meeting with him and discuss it and gather the interest. Has yeah, we've had similar experience, especially with our, so we run an annual conference every year as part of the Boston chapter, and we just actually had the first one again uh, this year in 2023 in the, <laughs> uh, in the fall, in the spring. Um, and one of the things we're finding is that there's a massive engagement and stitched together with university students coming out and wanting to talk to professionals, wanting to see what's actively happening in the workplace. Um, really good engagement. We had some professors show up. I had some really great conversations with people from those university spaces, which I think does help to bridge the community and, and introduce people. Similarly, you know, connecting developers and security professionals. Now we're connecting developers, security professionals, and potential future developers and security professionals together. And it's a, it's really great for the community. Yeah, that's great to get them started early. So one really? thing that I've experienced personally when I go to some events is they can be pretty expensive. And I know that a lot of the national events are subsidized. So if you're a student, you can get a really cheap pass, you know, like Black Hat, RSA, all these big conferences. Um, if you're a student, usually you can get in for cheaper. For local events, have you ever have you ever thought about or seen price being an issue for any of the, you know, the younger people or the students or are the events pretty easy to attend for anybody? So all the events we run are free. Um, including our large conference. So our, our Boston Application Security Conference, which we just had for the first time again, a totally free event, free registration, brings in more than 200 people or close to 200 people every single year, um, all sponsor driven. Um, so we really, we really thank our sponsors for that. That's a really key part of us and what we do for the community is try not to have a charge. Um, it, it just becomes extremely important that we can get people out and then not feel like they can't make it because of a cost or some sort of other issue. Yeah, we do the same thing. I, we'll never, as long as I'm involved, charge for a conference. Um, I've flirted with the idea of trying to do a similar type conference in Northern New England. We look at our chapter as the Northern New England chapter, and Jeremiah's chapter is more the Boston-based chapter. But we've we flirted with the idea of doing like a, a one-day conference like Jeremiah did, which was very successful. I, I was there the day. It was awesome. And I've even thought about trying to get enough sponsorship where folks who are coming in from multiple hours away will get a hotel for free, right? Like there's there's a lot of things that I'd like to do um, that can help grow the community. But yeah, I look at OWASP as an OWASP event should always be free um, by the nature of what OWASP is about, right? Being open and, um, you know, shouldn't have a come without a cost, but the reality is obviously, you know, if you want to do cooler and bigger things, sometimes you would have to do that. But yeah, our goal is to never charge for any sort of participation in an event. Um, candidly, I personally, and Jeremiah, I don't think you probably have either, that no lack of interest from sponsors. Um, I think that's the easiest part about running a chapter. 
Um, I have a laundry list long of people who want to sponsor, who people want to come up and have their experts give talks and okay. sponsor. Um, that's probably the easiest part. It's like harder to decide which one to pick each each month than it is to to gather the interest. Um, and I thought that was going to be the hardest part, but it's really actually the easiest part. I, I agree, especially from the the sponsor side. If you want to get a sponsor speaker to come out, do some research talking, things like that, really easy to gather up and. Um, the same thing, even with our conference, right? We were, we're turning people away at, uh, towards the end of the, towards closer to the conference because we just, we had too many sponsors. We had more than we could provide proper, uh, you know, uh, sponsor related materials to beca because of the fact that we had such interest. Um, and then one of the benefits too, about our free conference and be being sponsor driven is we actually get a lot of speakers that are local. So kind of going back to bringing people in, we get a lot of first time speakers that really helps, I think, to drive. Uh, a community of sharing and a community of public speaking and provide people that comfort in kind of a smaller environment in their hometown, their, their local area of New England, come out and actually speak. Um, I've seen a ton of value in that. We've had a lot of people very, very positively thank us for having them and accepting their talk. They normally wouldn't have spoken somewhere else and have actually gone on to larger conferences to speak because of it. Yeah, it sounds incredible. And so when, when you're getting these speakers, are they pretty much always from the sponsors or are there also just experts that come in or, or practitioners that come in and give talks as well? Uh, from my experience, we try to do a mixed uh, engagement, right? So we try to do a little bit of everything. So we do like to bring the sponsor speakers in because they really do have great research to share on a, on a regular basis. Um, some of the things that they, they do, they can share with us. We just, you can't get from anywhere else, right? And a lot of them are practitioners, right? Especially from the research teams. Um, so really, really good materials there. And then we also try to bring in some community speakers also to kind of mix it up, right? Give people that opportunity to speak to the group, uh, kind of make it into a public speaking position that they wouldn't normally be able to do or normally comfortable doing in a larger scale. Yeah, we do the same thing. We mix it up. Um, you know, it's, it's easier to get, you know, a, a vendor with one of their practitioners to come give a talk. We, we mandate that if a vendor is going to come um, and sponsor and, and, and give the talk that it needs to be not a product or service focused talk. It's a topic, right? Or a problem solving conversation that's very vendor agnostic. We also require, this is just a little under the covers that a lot of people don't know. We require that that vendor has to help promote the event, right? Because you know, it's just myself and three other gentlemen, we all have day jobs, we all have things that we're doing. We really need the help of like promoting it and getting more people driving more people to come attend. Um, so that's another requirement, um, you know, as a sponsor, right? Hey, listen, you know, you put up some funds to help us with. And really the sponsorships typically are pretty inexpensive. Like it's from an ROI perspective for these vendors, it's very, very high. Because really we're not looking at like, profit from this at all what we're looking for is hey buy some pizza buy some sodas and drinks um you know if you want to do a different venue than our typical free venue you know you want to cover those costs but other than that it's um you know from a vendor side since that's where i work on i know that the roi is so much higher sponsoring one of these local events than it is going and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars at say like an rsa or a black hat those events are great. Don't get me wrong. And, and I think vendors should sponsor them. But, um, you know, when you sponsor one of these local events, you know, your money is, is going a lot further. 
typically a different audience, right? So we're usually getting more practitioner focused attendees. So going back to the actual developers, the actual people in the trenches doing uh, the coding and the, the secure scanning uh, and things like that and the utilization of the platforms. Those are the people that typically attend where with the larger events, you've get more of a leadership presence, right? You've got people who are running teams. Um, you got more of a CISO audience. Um, so you get it from both sides then too. And I think the ROI there for sponsors is really high. Just having practitioners want to use their tools, right? We A lot of them will share community versions, things like that, which then help spread out their, um, their awareness and, and get their tool uh, in the hands of developers that want to then go back to the organizations and say, hey, this is something we want to use. Let's go talk to them about some sort of corporate like licensing or not. Yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of the product-led growth strategy in yep. these tools so you you get the community rallied around your tool absolutely and so we're sure. talking about participation and, and you brought up an interesting point Downey, that you require the vendors to go and promote the event how much success have you had getting the practitioners that are regular attendees in your chapter to also promote the event is that is it hard is it easy you know are people eager yeah you know it's funny i feel like we've done so we took over, I'd say takeover. We revived the chapter um, in the fall of last year, and we scheduled our first event for like early January of this year. We've had three events this year. Um, every single one of the three events, I felt like there's completely different people, which was interesting to me, right? Like I didn't expect that. I expected the people that come to the first event, majority will come to the second, and maybe we'll get a few additional each time. But the first event we did was just purely a network event, which was the most successful. Um, the second event was the Secure Code Tournament. The third event was a talk on mobile app security. In each event, we had different folks. Um, so I, I, you know, we encourage people to to invite their friends, um, but I, I don't think it ever really works out that way. And people can't really just forget, which I don't blame them. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know how much that's helped. We, we encourage it. We try to get people to do it, but, um, we've just seen different people show up, uh, for different events. One thing we did in the last event that we had done in the first two events is we added a remote attendee option, um, which I was against at first because I really want to encourage in-person relationship building in person, you know, networking. I think it's just a different feel uh, when you have a room full of people versus a Zoom full of people. But because, you know, we wanted to up the attendance level, we opened it up to anyone worldwide um, to attend our local topic. And we had two attendees from Great Britain, which was interesting for a little OWASP main chapter. Um, and we've also gotten a lot of people following. We use the LinkedIn page as kind of our core social networking platform for the chapter and we've had multiple followers from india from around the world um so you know we opened it up i think we're going to continue to do that but what we do is we encourage in-person attendance up until the last week and then we provide um the um remote option for folks who just simply you know live out of town or can't make it jeremiah do you have a, a similar experiences in boston or has it been I'm actually thinking we should be pushing this more as we're, we're, we're talking about this. Uh, so I, I don't typically ask the uh, the community to push it. I think it, it, I'm hoping it happens a little bit natively. So we hear a lot of like coworker examples, right? So individual will be talking to their coworker. They'll say, hey, someone told me about this that I work with. So I'm here. 
Um, and, and we get a mixed bag of it. Sometimes it's a security team individual telling a developer. Sometimes it's a developer telling the security team to come out. Um, but I do think it's a good thing to do. We do similar to, to Tony, right? We asked the sponsor to kind of push it. Um, I think natively they want to, right? They want to drum up some attendance too and increase the, the audience size. Uh, we do a lot of our own self-promotion, right? We circulate out materials. We've got to push things within a number of different uh, media types, right? So we're, we're Meetup, we're LinkedIn, we've got a Mastodon page, we've got a Twitter page. You know, we're, we're kind of out there trying to get out in front of everyone as much as we can. Um, and then we hope for, you know, just individuals like Tony to share, people like that to just, you know, come, come help circulate it, you know, naturally. So, um, but no, it's a great idea. I think encouraging it does help a little bit. It does help to build that more of a community feel to it also. Yeah. And so you mentioned, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Mastodon. What has been the most successful? Where have you gotten the most interactions out of all of the social media? Have you tried Reddit? You know, have you tried other platforms as well? Um, and what do you recommend for people who are trying to create this sense of community in their area? Great question. Um, so we've had great success so far on drumming up new participation through LinkedIn. But I think our our best thing for reaching our repeat attendance is our meetup. Um, so the people who follow our meetup have attended our meetup. They're RSVPing before we even announce it publicly on any of our social media because we'll put the event up. We won't publicize it. It'll go out to them. They'll get a notification. That tends to get the best repeats. But I do think LinkedIn up to this point has probably been our best new participation in the last year or so. Uh, prior to that, it was Twitter um, was probably the most successful medium for us for uh, you know kind of spreading the word. Yeah, I, I'd echo that. I, the Meetup is a really cool app because it once you like follow the the group right which we're always main whenever we announce a new meetup an email goes out to all those people automatically right and and you've probably seen that as an attendee to some of these groups on other groups on meetup and you can also send like i'm about to send a follow-up email from our last meetup with the slides from the presenter and you can do that through meetup right so it's an easy way to to continue to communicate with either registered attendees for that individual meetup or the whole group who's ever had any interest in the chapter, as long as they're still a part of it on meetup, you can communicate with them. I agree. I think, so for me, it's like, I just, I don't have the time to manage multiple platforms. So I'm on LinkedIn all day just for my day job. So it's easy for me to just focus on LinkedIn for the chapter. Um, so LinkedIn has been huge in us, but I think it's really wherever you're going to put your efforts is where you're going to see the ROI from when it comes to like driving attendance and, and driving awareness. Um, we, when we relaunched the chapter, the LinkedIn was there, but like no one ever really put much focus on it. We had seven followers of OWASP Maine. This morning we're at 592. So that's in six, seven months. And a lot of the followers aren't even from Maine, which is really interesting. Um, we have a lot of West Coast followers folks just from like the chapter leaders like networks who they've shared it with um but we're getting a lot of folks from india a lot of junior developers a lot of um you know entry level uh, multiple folks who want to become pen testers who do bug bounty programs i've seen have followed the chapter page and one thing i've done um or we've done to help continue to drive the awareness it was just something i thought about randomly one night was we we do a campaign called Opportunity of the Day. So every single day, I'll post a new DevOps developer or application security focused role or security leadership role 
that I find online and I'll share it on our LinkedIn page with a description and who the hiring manager is for that role. And then I'll offer that up to our chapter, to our followers. And if someone's interested, we'll end up trying to connect that person as kind of like a recruiter, connect that person directly with that hiring manager um, to just drive, you know, um, you know, helping people find the next opportunity. I know there was a lot of layoffs in the industry here in the last six months. And I felt like that was one thing we could do to help with that and also help some of these larger organizations find great talent right? Because the reality of it is most of the folks that come to these LS chapter meetups care a lot about application security and have a lot of skills um, that these companies are looking for. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that we get enough participation out of the, both people looking for a job and people looking to hire someone, right? We could, I, I think it's an un, underutilized resource that the community meetups um, and, and the overall OWASP community in general, and I try to push that pretty heavily. Um, even within the LWAS uh, Slack page, there's a whole jobs channel where there's a, a large participation there, right? So outside of the general, the local chapters for remote jobs, for global jobs, for willing to transplant someone somewhere because they're, you know, uh, you know looking for someone desperately. Um, we get a lot of people who come to the chapter meeting just looking for jobs more so than even hiring. So uh, really good place for organizations to kind of dip into and, and take advantage of that pool of uh, professionals. Yeah, a great networking opportunity and a cool way to get people to to trust you and the organization you're building, right? Because now you're saying, hey, we're going to dedicate energy to just trying to help you. And that's the whole point. We're trying to teach you about no. how to code securely, how to keep organizations safe, how to keep software safe. It plus, we're helping you network. Plus, we're giving you all of these things. And it reaches a point where it sort of becomes a no-brainer to be involved, right? To, to be involved with your local chapter, to get out there, to meet people. Yep. And, and so if we were going to summarize, you know, let, let's say I wanted to start an OWASP chapter near me, if we were going to summarize the approach, biggest takeaways, and feel free to correct me if you feel like this isn't accurate, but it would be try to spread new, uh, new awareness, new growth through networking, like LinkedIn specifically seems like where you guys have seen that be successful. So get people in your area to share it. And then Make sure you're doing things to help. So those are those are talks, you know, vendor-sponsored talks or practitioner-led talks to give people education, give them networking opportunities, help them find jobs. And then from that, find one place where they can go to get all recurring meetings. So we mentioned meetup, meetup.com. And do you think that would be the strategy you would use if you were starting from scratch today? Yeah, so if I was starting an OWASP chapter today, I definitely start out with going to OWASP, right? So establish a, a location where you want to start your chapter. So similar to OWASP Boston or OWASP Maine, come up with your location, your 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 demographic. Um, go out to they'll provide the meetup. So get the meetup first. Schedule some sort of introductory event. Get a LinkedIn page going. Start to socialize that through LinkedIn. Use your network of existing professionals. Um, hop on the OWASP Slack page. There may be people in your area who have been looking for an OWASP, right? So get an OWASP Slack, start to socialize that within Slack. Say, hey, we started a new chapter, looking for people to promote, start to get it out to other people's networks too. Um, and I think that'd be the best way to kick off. I like the idea that Tony used, right? The the main group had that just casual meeting, right? We tend to be a little more structured. We have a speaker come in. Um, I like the idea of just this, a networking event for the area for your first event. Um, I think it's a great way to, to bring people in, get a sponsor, encourage them to come out, have some food, have some drinks, and just socialize. Yeah. No, the, it, and that was by design. We The way we looked at it was 
we called it a relaunch of the chapter networking event. And honestly, for the sponsors, I had the company I worked for sponsor it. And, and the other gentleman, who's one of the co-leads with me, his company sponsored it. And we did basically an open open bar at a brewery. Um, and it cost each of our companies like only $150. So it was very inexpensive. And it was a hit. It was an absolute hit. I think we had 35 folks, 40 folks come to that. Again, we're talking Maine, guys. We're not talking LA. We're not talking Boston. Not talking New York City. So that's pretty good for for us, I think. Um, but yeah, I think you, you know those are all the right things to do. I think the first thing to do is just figure out: is there a chapter locally, right? Um, is there not, right? And if you Google that, there's a whole page on a lost website that show all the trap chapters. Um, I definitely recommend whether you must start a chapter or not, join OWASP. Get on the Slack. There, it is an absolute abundance of information there, and you can search it. That's why Slack's so awesome. Any topic you can think about for AppSec, whether you want like vulnerability aggregation, like a defect dojo, IaaS, SaaS, like anything you can think of, you just search it in there, and someone has talked about it, and other other practitioners and leaders have discussed it. So, I found it to be really really helpful, but. The way I looked at the chapter is like, we really need to have four values, four goals of why we're doing this, right? Like why should myself and the three other leaders spend time on this? And, and we summed it up as, as really a few key things. One, we want to give back to the application and security and development, right? Like we've all made careers in it. We want to give back. Two, we want to give a really good community for networking. Um, possibilities and, and capabilities for we want people to be able to meet each other find new job opportunities build relationships that could help them down the road um, the other piece is providing great learning opportunities through um, uh, events speakers just publishing things on the LinkedIn that we find right from other speakers or other talks or other topics and then the last piece is we want to really drive developer inclusion um, in security, right? Most of the OWASP events I've been to are mostly security people that go. What we're trying to do is get more developers, an equal amount of developers and security people joining these chapter meetups. We're still working on that, but that's kind of our last core value is really keep it developer-centric and developer-focused. Um, but yeah, all the things you guys mentioned, I think you're a great way if you want to start a chapter. It is work though, right? Like it's a job, right? There's no doubt about it. I'm sure Jeremiah can attest, like you're spending time organizing these things, promoting these things. Um, but, you know, if you enjoy the space and enjoy application security, it's it's very rewarding for sure. Yeah, I, I, can't I can't stress that enough. You have to be in it for the right reasons, right? It's a it's a almost thankless position, right? You, you really got to be in it for the, the, the willingness to want to give back to the community, to want to bring the community together. Um, it, it's a super, it's super rewarding in that sense, right? It's a, it's so great seeing everyone come together, see the conversations unfolding. Um, it's just awesome to see the community involved and, and interacting with each other. Um, but I think that's, you know, has to be the most important part of it is just being in it for the right reasons and setting those goals and objectives that you, you're not going to get anything out of it. Right. Um, I don't do a lot of AppSec now, even in my professional role currently with my current job. Um, but I still see it as such an important part of the security world and uh, keeping um, you know developers and security professionals connected. And that's that's why I do it. It's just it's so rewarding seeing that come together. 
yeah, at keeping the whole world safe. It's it's a very important job, and there's a lot of reward to be had from it. And one thing we talked a lot about is networking. And I'm curious, how do you manage, you know, people who maybe are are more nervous to network, right? People who are intimidated by showing up to events and well, they, and they're scared to go introduce themselves to a stranger. Like, how how would you be more inclusive to those individuals? Yeah. I, so yeah. So for me, I. You know, it's funny. There's a great example. There's this one gentleman um, who hadn't attended any of the events this year, um, but he followed the LinkedIn page. He ended up sending me a message, and he's been looking for his first job in cyber in cybersecurity. He's been out of work for a little while, and you know, I just strongly keep encouraging them to come or him to come to an event. He came to the last event, and so what I try to do is. I'm a, I'm an extrovert, right? Everyone knows that, you know, I'm, I'm in sales, right? Everyone knows that. You never know. So I am right. Um, but what I do is I try to stir the pot a little during events. I even do it at my events a little bit. Um, yeah. but not stir the pot in a bad way, but like get people talk, right? Like it's very easy to show up and have 20 people in a room and a speaker and everyone just sits there and listen. And then, okay, great. You learned something, but like there could have been so much more you could have learned if you asked the question or, started a back and forth so what i'll do is you know if i feel like there isn't a lot of interaction like i'll ask a question i'll ask a dumb question right i'll ask something that's obvious i'll maybe call on someone like hey what do you think of that right and yeah you know maybe i'm putting people out there a little bit and maybe someone might get a little upset about that but for the most part what i've seen is people end up opening up and then they end up building better connections and learning more and then it actually ends up they enjoy them the event better because there's just better dialogue all the way around. Um, so I tend to do that a lot. That's just my personality. And I feel like that helps with getting people to kind of break the ice a little. Like sometimes it can get a little stuffy because it's professional. We also gotta remember like we're here to like learn something and meet people, right? Is this the is the key. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's great having someone like Tony at the events to kind of loosen up the room. Uh, I'm a little bit more of an introvert. I'm less on the marketing side, less on the sales side of things. Um, but I think having that is, is awesome. And I do think it helps, you know, going back to kind of the social component of it, having the structured meetings where you have a topic someone might be interested in and not necessarily putting the pressure of networking on them, having them come out to attend that talk to see someone speak about a subject not be able to attend it online really helps to get them out. And then having someone like a Tony in the room who then kind of disengages the room to help to that, get that socialization going, right? Try to ask the questions, get the group talking, be engaging with them. Eventually almost everyone's going to speak up and they're going to end up then talking to their neighbor about it, whoever they're sitting next to. And it really does help to bring some, uh, bring some overall relaxation to the socialization aspect for what is mostly an introverted community of engineers and such. So, yeah, practical uh, really jokes, you know, like, does it need to be, you know, does it need to be, you know, like the, you know, you're in a boardroom, right? Like it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a, supposed to be fun, right? Yep. And, and learning. So that's kind of how I've approached it, but that's just me personally. And this how I am. Yeah. I told a terrible joke is the opener for our, uh, our Boston application security conference this year around April Fool's Day. Cause we were on April Fool's Day and it, you know, I think it's helps that Tim gets engaged with the crowd. They were all expecting it, I'm sure, but um, it just helps loosen things up like that. Do you have any terrible jokes you want to tell us right now, Jeremiah? <laughs> uh, no, I'm like, I save all my dad jokes for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Love it. Nice. Yeah. One thing that, that I've found to be really effective when I go to OWASP events and especially the local ones is just sitting down next to somebody I don't know, you know, and, and then just having a really casual conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've, I've always met interesting people. I've always had a really good conversation. It's never been weird, you know, and it's, it always feels kind of strange to just go sit next to a stranger and say hi. But it's also, you know, it's a big part of why you're there is to, to meet people, figure out what they're doing, learn from them, you know, understand where they're coming from. And, and then it's cool because I'll see those people at other events that I'll attend and you're like, oh, hey, so good to see you. How have you been? You know, and all of a sudden you you built that connection and it, all it took was just you know, breaking the ice really quickly. Yeah. And, and then you connect on LinkedIn and then, you know, maybe down the road they're hiring or, you know, it, that's the power of it. Right. And I think. A lot of people right now who are looking for jobs, like you should think about, hey, how do I put myself out there? How do I meet more people? You know, you don't even have to say, hey, I'm looking for a new job. But like the more you do that, the longer term effects are going to be beneficial for you. And going to an OWASP meetup locally, wherever you are, is a great place to do that. And and like, what do they say? You grow when you're uncomfortable, right? So if you're uncomfortable networking, uncomfortable public speaking, Try to do more of it. You said it earlier, Jeremiah. A lot of folks we have come do their first talks of a topic mm-hmm. with our chapters, right? Because it's a safer space for them to mess up. And I, I've seen it. You know, speakers will you know foul up or mess up, and we'll joke about it and move on, right? Because we're a much smaller based community. It's not like you're in front of you know ten thousand people at Black Hat, right? You're in front of twenty, maybe ten, right? at some little, you know, conference room in Maine, right? So, um, you know, I, I find it is a great way to, like, brush up on those skills. And those skills are, unfortunately, just as important, in my opinion, in this business as the technical skills, right? How do you work with other people? How do you communicate? How can you communicate to your boss about the problems in the, in the applications, the vulnerabilities being found? That's going to take communication skills that you can hone at these types of chapter meetups. So I, I think it's really powerful personally. Yeah. I actually find the food is a big enabler for people talking and networking, right? Yeah. People will be, Hey, what's in that pizza box over there? And that ends up triggering off some sort of conversation. I mean, our, our opening of our last event, we had, everyone was talking about the shrimp pizza, which seems <laughs> odd, but it's, it, started the conversation right it kind of disengages the room right out of the beginning just because of the fact that it was a you know maybe not the most common choice of uh pizza topping ingredients delicious though uh surprisingly and it yeah it really helped to just open up the group and get people just comfortable talking to each other jeremiah do you own a, a shrimp pizzeria by chance is this <laughs> a- <laughs> i do not and i would not have chosen shrimp pizza uh our sponsor chose it and it it turned out it was really good a very New England thing to do. But oh, see. such a New England thing to do. It was, uh, yeah, it was odd, oddly tasty. It was the white sauce and uh, and shrimp. It was it was pretty good. We'll get lobster pizza from Exowas, Maine. I mean, that would be New England. I mean, you can't get much more Maine than lobster pizza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did little trophies. I had little trophies made for the secure coding tournament with a little lobster on it with the Owas Maine logo. It was pretty cool. And so we're going to do that annually now, that secure coding tournament and we we crown the winner the most secure coder in Maine. Like, I mean who else is doing secure like tournaments other than the OS main tournament. So 
it was really cool actually like i i that was a really fun event and there was a gentleman who who came a little late he actually ended up winning it and i went up to him after i was like hey i had to hear this and he's like candidly my my girlfriend or fiance is out of work and she was looking for a new job and she kind of stumbled upon on linkedin oas maine and saw this hey five hundred dollars to win and she told me as I'm a I'm a developer, he was a developer, not a security person. And she was like, hey, you should go to this or we could use extra money. Um, you know, you're really good at, at coding. And he came and and he like dominated, honestly, um, you know, the the secure coding tournament. But it was just really neat to to see that. And what we did was we um we posted it publicly. We got his permission of course, but posted it publicly and announced him as the king of secure coding and your you know, most secure coder in Maine. And then we also asked him if it was okay if we tagged his employer. So we tagged his employer as well in the post. And then the CEO of his employer ended up resharing it and liking it. So, you know, we try hard to do things where we're helping our attendees gain more positive reputation, right? How can we help them understand like, hey, dude, you're really good at secure coding. I don't know if you know that. But like that's a skill that you should highlight um, and will help you highlight, right? You can add this to your resume now that you won the secure coding tournament. So there's a lot to that um, that we try to focus on with some of these events. Um, is like how can we always be helping, right, our community members in different ways? And some of them aren't even technical, right? Some of them are, you know, non-technical, like we talked about. Yeah, that's uh, one of our most popular events. And I, I love the idea of the secure coding. One of the most popular Boston chapter events ever was a CTF event. People love to compete. People love to come out and, and put their skills to the test. Um, it, it was one of the most actively attended. I had a big group of coworkers that came with me for the event, um, which had a lot of fun. And I found like, you know, going back to the networking question and just engaging individuals, you know, talking about problems and, and trying to compete against people. Sometimes you're, you're, you notice someone takes a, a lead of you on the, the leaderboard and you, you jump it over there. Who is that? Who's the first up there? You know, kind of giving some like nudging and things like that, which I think is, you know, is a great way to kind of engage and, and get to know people. Yeah. Well, one, one other quick idea, and it is, I've thought about this in the past, is like if you're a, say you're a security leader, right, at a company, right? Like, like Jeremiah, I know you do that as your day job. Say you have a big development or and you want more engagement from your developers, there's nothing stopping you from reaching out to the local OWASH chapter and say, hey, I would love for you to host your next meetup at our office. And I'm going to try to get as many as my developers to come. Yeah. That's a great way. It's free, right? Think about it, right? This is a free way. You don't have to go and buy secure code training. You have to go out and, and hire a secure code trainer, which those are all great things to do. But this is a absolutely free way in. You're helping the community, right, with the local OWASP group. And there's nothing stopping you from doing that. And then you can then say, hey, great, guys, we're going to actually host the next local OWASP chapter meetup on this topic. Why don't you guys all stay after work and, and join us? There's going to be pizza. There's going to be drinks, cookies, whatever you end up doing. That's another really good way as a, as a security leader or an AppSec leader if you're trying to gather more engagement from your developers is leverage the local OWASP group. Um, and it's a win-win because it's a new venue for that group, but it's also a win for you because you're going to hopefully get better engagement or some of your developers to, to join you for it. Yeah, we, we use the same venue right now for almost every one of our meetings we've had since January when we kicked back up again. 
But we would love to hear from other organizations that want to host for that exact reason, right? You bring in a new audience, you you get new encouragement from the community, you get new 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 people attending. Um, almost every single event that we've done or seen, there's always people who probably wouldn't have been there if they didn't work there, and they, they end up coming back. Uh, but it's a it's a fantastic thing to have that engagement and, and get your people involved and see and learn from others outside your organization. So do you ever reach out to development leaders? I mean, we've talked a lot about security leaders. Do you ever reach out to the actual engineering or development leaders to see if you can get them to engage their developers directly? Yeah, that was a big strategy of mine when I um, started uh, running the chapter or co-running the chapter. Um, it's what I do for a living, right, is reach out to security leaders. So I kind of knew the the right process to do it. And so what we did was... We, we built a list of folks who live in Maine on, this is all based off LinkedIn. Um, and this is kind of going on the covers all day. I probably shouldn't say this, but we built this list of, um, folks who live in Maine who had a security leadership title or development leadership title, including CTOs and CISOs, as well as anyone who had like OWASP or any sort of AppSec related, um, comments in their LinkedIn pages. And it was a list of over 400 people. Um, and so then I actually took my, my company's business development rep and I told him, Hey, dedicate like an hour a day. So don't promote con contrast for a minute. Help me spread the word of OWASP me. And luckily, you know, contrast, you know, allowed that. And so what we did was we reached out to all, all 400 people and we drove a lot of people. We had, um, a DevOps leader from one of the largest banks in the country join us who I had no idea lived in Maine. Um, there's a lot of a lot of interesting folks from really interesting organizations who live in Maine, right? Because most people are remote now. So, yeah, that's a big strategy of ours. It's been hard to get their engagement, candidly. I think it goes into the same mindset of it's hard to get developers engaged in security. But we've definitely had, uh, we've had a CIO come from a really large company up here uh, in, in Maine, very interested. We've had multiple development leaders who want to come or attend virtually. So, yeah, it's a huge, like I said, a huge strategy for us with our chapters. We want more developer engagement. How do we do that? Let's reach out to development leadership. Yeah, we tend to be less targeted because we are so, we're just naturally there already, right? We've been around for two decades. It's a little less need for us to spread the word. People are aware of us. We've got you know, over 1,300 followers. We're in a big, big market area. I think if you're starting in a chapter in a smaller area like Maine, you really do have to go through that engagement and try to find those individuals to get, get out in front of them, right? I think it's important to try to reach that audience because you're not doing it from just a sales perspective, right? You're trying to you're trying to give them something and give back to them. And I think it's really important to try to try to build that engagement, that interest. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like people are pretty receptive to that idea. Because yeah. they're not, like you said just now, Jeremiah, you're not trying to sell them on something as much. You're trying to say, hey. This is this net beneficial activity for all of us. No, will this you is join? Free. And yep. it's still funny how like a lot of people don't come out. It's 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 hard to get people like literally leave their house. Like I, I've realized that it's just, and I get it. Like at the end of a work day, like I don't want to like only just relax and make dinner yep. or whatever. But like that's why we spread them out once every two three months, like once every quarter. Come on out, meet your peers learn something cool, learn something new, have some fun. Like I even said, Hey, listen, bring your kids. Great. Right. Like have fun. This is a very relaxed environment. Um, you know, so we try hard, but it, it's always hard. You always get a lot of people who come back and say, Hey, listen, 
I'd love to go learn traveling that day. Or, you know, one one time we didn't realize it was school vacation week and we booked the meetup that week. And most people couldn't come because they're on trips with their kids. So like little things like that, like you just gotta try to think about, but it's it's hard to think of everything, right? while you're planning them. Yeah, that's an important consideration with scheduling your events, right? Is is you have to be conscientious to what's going on within the community and around it, right? We don't do things in the summertime. Nobody shows up, right? Who wants to stick after work to go to an inside event when it's beautiful outside in New England? You get five months out of the year, it's like this, right? And this year it's even shorter. Um, you just don't, you don't get participation, right? You got to be conscientious of school <laughs> school weeks. You've got to, you know, kind of look at where people are close to from a company perspective, right? We get, we're in Cambridge for most of our events now. We get more Cambridge participation than we do downtown Boston participation. Um, previously the chapters moved events. So we do one in the seaport in Boston, and then we do one outside the city in the Cambridge area because it helped to generate, you know, a different audience, right? Um, you had some people who are dedicated, they come to all of them and then you get a, a different fluctuation based on where you actually run your events. So moving around is helpful for, uh, the chapter to generate, a, uh, interest also. Perfect. Well, hey guys, we're starting to run low on time. So, and I want to give you the opportunity to make a call to action, promote something Great. that's important to you. So, Jeremiah, do you want to start us off with what your call to action is today? Uh, my, my, call, my call to action is the community, right? Get, get out there, be involved, go network, break that comfort barrier if you're not comfortable networking. Spread the, spread the word and integration of AppSec and, and uh, you know, bring developers and security professionals together. That's uh, my call to action. Tony? Yeah, I, I can't put it any better than that. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, get out there, meet new people. Like you said, Jacob, you, when you go to these events, you like to sit down and next someone talk to them. When I go to any event for AppSec or for work, my goal is to talk to as many people as I can, right? Because you're going to learn something new from everybody and everyone's experience and everyone's background. So yeah, get out there, have fun, meet new people, learn something new. The people you meet, you never know, could be someone that could really benefit you down the road, right, in your career and in life. So I, I highly encourage it. And tell developers, right? Encourage developers. You work at a company, say you're in DevOps, say you're a security person, you you talk to a developer, you know, reach back out to them. Hey, listen, I'm going to this meetup. Any interest in joining me with this? Or do you want to attend online? Like some really cool topics, like, it's a word of mouth, guys. Like it really is. So anything you can do to spread the word about, you know, the meetups or the chapters or just the engagement is is key. And have fun. You know, have fun with it. Yeah, having built AppSec programs, security champions are the best thing you can do. Get those developers to OWAS and make champions out of them. Exactly. Perfect. Awesome. Well, you guys heard it here. Network, get the developers in, make security champions, and let's keep it going with word of mouth. Tony and Jeremiah, thank you so much for joining today. It was awesome talking to you about. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Jeremiah. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Champions of Security. Be sure to come back next week. We're going to have another exciting guest on this very streaming platform. See you there.